You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to all of those people who rose to the challenges of their time, who lived well, who died well, and who bring to us the legacy of all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines. And they bring that legacy in that we might draw from those who have gone before us to learn from the mistakes that they made and open up to the possibility of a future that is bringing forward all that is needed for those who are coming. So I call out to these ancestors to stand firm with us here today with that hand at our back to help to protect us and guide us and hold all that needs to be remembered that we might go forward in a way that creates change and innovation where needed and holds true to the old traditions where they are the things that keep us aligned with that great web of life. So with the ancestors, the human ancestors called in, let's reach beyond them to all the spirits in nature, all the much, much older ancestors that have been here on earth far longer than there have been humans. And I call out to these ancestors that they can help us to remember the true nature of who we are at this time and help us to find our place in the great web of life. And in so uh, let us become the men and the women that we have truly come here to be. So as we call out to the ancestors in their many forms and ask them to gather around, let us gather ourselves from wherever we are, into our heads, from our heads, into our bellies, oops, into our hearts, and from our hearts, into our bellies. And let's take a moment there and gather, aligning our head and heart and belly before we reach out to the earth to say thank you, to say thank you for this day to let our gratitude flow for all that has been in our lives that has brought us to this moment, for all that is and all that will be, to reach out and give thanks for the beauty, for the diversity, for the possibility of change and healing and transformation, and ultimately to reach out and give thanks for the wonder and awe of life. As we notice it all around us, let us give thanks for the whole web. And as we reach down through all the layers of the earth, let us reach and give gratitude and reach and give gratitude and reach all the way down to the center of the earth and anchor ourselves firmly there. So have a strong sense of our choice to be grounded and present in our lives at this time. And as we reach deeply into the earth, into these energies that draw their strength, their power from darkness, from solitude, from silence, and from stillness. Let us draw on these energies that by their very nature restore and renew us 
help to nourish us and help us to grow steadfast in a firm foundation and a deep, deep clarity of our responsibility in our lives. So as we reach into this earth and we draw the earth's energy up, let us call it up through all the layers of the earth and into our belly. And in this way, we call on the energy of the earth to help us to ground ourselves and become clear about where we stand in life, who we are as we stand there, where we stand, what we stand for, what has heart and meaning in our life, and to build our sense of home and belonging based on that which is true in our hearts. And let us do so in a way that remembers. At this time, it is critically important that we open our door, we open our table, we open our hearts to those who are different than we are, who think differently, who speak differently, who pray differently, and that we invite them in and allow them to show us who we are, that they might provoke us into becoming who we were truly meant to be. So as we learn from the earth how to connect, how to interconnect, and how to be interconnected, let us shift our awareness to pray that we can gain right relationship with ourselves, right relationship with the environment around us, right relationship with the people and all living things around us, and right relationship with the invisible world. And as we come into right relationship with all of these things, let us open our awareness to oneness. And just as we understand everything else has its place in that oneness, let us know our own place in that oneness and draw our sense of right relationship from that moment of knowing. Let's draw our energy up now from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind. And as we feel ourselves infused with that blessing of oneness, let us reach up through the sky out through the atmosphere, out into the cosmos, reaching all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you call it, in whatever way you understand it, reach out to it, call it in, let it draw you in. Know that you are in this divine energy even as it is in you. And draw this energy down, down through all the layers of the sky. And in this way you call into yourself and into your day the energy of blessing and protection, We call in the benevolence of our universe. We draw these energies in for commitment and devotion. We draw in the beneficence of that universe and ask it to help to illuminate and light the way. And as we draw these energies from above into our head and our heart and our belly and send it down to the center of the earth, let us take a moment and just feel this connection of these two great legendary lovers, the earth rising, the sky descending, these energies coming together in a great wholeness that is a big, big gigantic love and let that love awaken the spirit of your own human heart and as your heart awakens let that crucible of transformation come online and draw up the fiery passions of your belly and down the crystal clarity of your mind and let these two energies so distinctly different move together in a dynamic tension that will give birth to third and most sacred thing that exists in your heart which is your memory of why you are here. And maybe it's not a full memory. Maybe it's just a sense, a feeling, even an inkling. But whatever it is, may you reach deeply into your heart and find the courage to give your heart to that sense of why you are here and bring it into the world in some way, large or small. We give enormous gratitude to all of the spirit help that we have in these endeavors. May what needs to be said be said here today, and what needs to be heard be heard, and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. 
So I'd like to give thanks to Jalen, to Mary, Shane, Craig, Sherwood, and Madeline, and all of the listeners who have donated to the show. As most of you know, the show is listener-supported, and it is because of donations by people like you, listeners like you, that the show remains um, on the air live each week, that almost 400 hours of shows remain available free in the archives, and all of this resource continues to be available for those anywhere in the world who can access the Internet. And so I give thanks to those of you that are helping to make that a reality. I give gratitude to those of you that are helping the show to grow in other ways. I ask you all to be creative. And if you've been doing one thing for a long time, don't stop doing that. But you might consider what the next step might be to help the show to grow, to reach more people, to, but also to reach more deeply, to bring these, these ideas into your own shamanic practice. And uh, particularly today's topic is about how we do that, you know, working with spirit. So I invite you all to just take the next step in your support, the next step in your practice, the next step in deepening your relationship with spirit. And in this way, we'll continue to explore the practical application of shamanic practices in our contemporary world. And I thank you all for all the help that you give. For those of you that don't want to donate online at the whyshamanismnow.com site, you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I would be happy to give you a regular address for a regular old check. All right, so today's show is live, and so for those of you that would like to ask questions about what a working with rela- working relationship with spirit is, which is our topic today, you're welcome to call in at 512-772-1938, or you can Skype in from co-creatornetwork.com site. Um, and then, of course, if you're listening to this podcast um, later, when it's not live, you're welcome to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org with your questions. Okay. So there are an awful lot of shows in the archives about working with your helping spirits. Okay, because working with spirit is at the very heart of what defines shamanism as shamanism. So the shaman learns what to do, what energy to change, and how to change it while in the invisible world or the journey state through direct contact with the spirits, in quotes. Okay, so spirits are coherent energy patterns with presence found in the invisible world. Okay, but as I've said on countless shows and many classes, coherent energy patterns is cumbersome to say and really not very sexy. Um, Okay, so we use the word spirit. Okay, Um, they may have form in the journey state, they may be a formless presence in the journey state, or the spirit may be the actual presence of the universe as a being, which is often explained as that which created God. So it is this direct contact through the journey state with spirit um, that, uh, and the use of either the journey state or an embodiment state to do it that distinguishes the shaman from other practitioners. And so today I would like to explore what working relationship with spirit means because I use that phrase all the time. Okay, so there's a whole category of shows about what a working relationship with spirit is in the archives. There are also two more recent shows that in in many ways lay the groundwork for today's show. One is called The Fundamentals of Shamanism, 
And that show explores um, the fact that, you know, working relationship with spirit is built on four even more basic relationships that most people need to check in with in our contemporary time. And that that would be um, your relationship with the invisible world as a whole, your relationship with ordinary reality, your relationship with your own energy in the world, and your relationship with your humanity, or in a sense, why did you choose to come to be here? You know, your relationship with your destiny. Okay. And the second show that's probably groundwork for today would be a show that was called Working with Your Helping Spirits in the Age of Entitlement. And it speaks to three um, pretty pretty common contemporary attitude problems, basically, that get in the way of people who do sincerely want a relationship with their helping spirits. And one is that your helping spirits can't hear you whining and that your helping spirits don't care how many people are following you on whatever platform of social media. And um, they see deep dishonor in any behavior that um, comes out of the entitlement that you take for granted. Okay, so with all these shows, the many, many hours of shows in the archives still, I get emails all the time from people saying, you know, I was listening to your show today, what do you mean by working relationship with spirit? And what I want to email back simply is one that works. And... <laughs> Okay, and that's a little bit too bitchy, but that is my honest response. And this is the part that I see today as um, because you have a beautiful abundance of teachers, of teachers who will teach you in person, teachers who will teach you online, teachers who will teach you online live, people who have online packages, Teachers will teach you in any country almost in the world um, your ability to travel, to work with indigenous practitioners. And the fact that indigenous practitioners are coming to wherever you live. I mean, and then there's Google. There's Why Shamanism Now. I mean, there is an enormous abundance of access to information about shamanism and working with spirit. And most of this, everything I just mentioned, for the most part, didn't exist 30 years ago. Now, the problem with that is as contemporary people, you are most likely going to go to Google. You're going to go to a human teacher. You're going to go find that online course. You're going to go look for where you can learn to journey for free. Because you can and because that's how you're oriented as a contemporary person. But the reality of just 30 years ago, when you didn't have those options, in many ways you were in a better position to learn to work with spirit because you had to just work with spirit. You didn't have anybody to answer all of your questions except your helping spirits. So you had to learn to work in the journey state to bring your questions. You had to learn to work in the merge state with your helping spirits to get answers that can only come through through the merging. So whether it was journeying or embodiment, it doesn't really matter which of the shamanic altered states it was. The point was you went to spirit to learn about working with spirit. And in that, the spirits not only helped you learn how to work with them, but they helped you learn to be a better human. And so in many ways, this podcast itself 
becomes a step that you will take instead of the step you need to take to learn to work with spirit, which is to just learn to journey and go take your question to spirit. Okay, so let's explore what working means. Okay, as an adjective, working or able to function. So relative to a working relationship with spirit, this means that the relationship functions as a source of information that assists you in problem solving, anything. It's not just healing. It's because from a shamanic perspective, every facet of your life needs to be in balance for you to actually be healthy. So the fact that you're mentally unstable or emotionally unstable or spiritually unstable is considered an illness, not just the physical variety. And so, again, so working relationship with spirit means that, that this relationship you have with spirit, not through your teacher, but directly, your relationship with spirit is a source of information that assists you in problem-solving anything and healing almost anything and in other words, it's about an assist in transforming whatever needs to transform and the ability to move from ignorance about something and from illness. So functioning or able to function relative to your relationship with your helping spirit also means Time, place, questions, task-focused, and the actual experience itself. So in other words, if it's a functioning, working relationship with spirit, you can engage it using your practices at any time. You don't have to wait for somebody else to set up an experience that allows you to do it, but it's your relationship. You can engage it at any time with certain parameters there. And you're able to engage it in almost any place. Meaning it, it's not like you can only connect with spirit when you trot off to the Amazon and do ayahuasca with the indigenous people there, which is a fabulous uh, experience to have. But if that's what it takes for you to connect with spirit, that's not actually a working relationship with spirit. It's a relationship with spirit. But it's not working for you because it only works under these very special conditions which are not your everyday life. And so a working relationship with spirit takes place in the space and time of your everyday life. It answers your questions. So in other words, it's not just prayer, and I've said this before, countless hours talking about this. You bring questions. You get answers to those questions. You apply those answers to your life, and things change. That's functional. Right? And also that it's task-focused, so it's not just meditation. It isn't done simply for the benefit of being in that state, which is the value of meditation. And, and, and meditation is valuable. Prayer is valuable. They don't, um, what am I trying to say? They, they don't remove your need, if you want a working relationship with spirit, of learning to journey or embody spirit. Either, either way, the point is you need to come in direct relationship with spirit. That's a working relationship with spirit. And then, of course, part of the functioning of a relationship with spirit through journeying and embodiment, as opposed to working with tools, divination tools, is because you're taking your own energy body there one way or the other, 
it is directly impactful for your own health and well-being to be connected with spirit, whether you're in the journey or embodiment. They both are directly through the experience beneficial. So functioning actually is a noun too, and it's the action um, and you know work. It's also a noun. The action of doing work. So part of what I mean about a working relationship with spirit is also that you actually have to work or at least do something. That it's a working relationship because it functions, but you also have to work it. <laughs> and so it's important to learn the discipline. What is the discipline of journeying? What is the discipline of embodiment? And to practice those disciplines. As with all disciplines, it takes repetition. You may go do an intensive kind of class, but then you need to practice, practice, practice. Even if it's online, then you need to go offline in your own space and time of your everyday life and practice. It requires practice. It's not magic in that sense. The magic comes through the practice and the intimacy that is cultivated with spirit. It, it brings magic into your life, but it in and of itself isn't magical. It's practical. It takes practice. You need to work for it. So the other thing is you need to apply your answers to your life and see how they affect your life and audit and evaluate the results so you learn at a deeper level about your journeying, about your question crafting, about your interpretation of your answers, and about your ability to translate your answers into action. Now, there are shows about each of those things, so I'm moving on. And ultimately, through the work, the work of learning to journey and the work of learning embodiment is that you also learn to trust your helping spirits and that you get over yourself and your issues around trust and that you take risks with your helping spirits and in doing so, you, they gain your trust. But they only can gain your trust if you're willing to give it. And so it's about risk, it's about trust, and that ultimately it's about changing. That I am not the person now who began journeying 30 years ago. That I've been changed through this experience. And if you aren't willing to change, there's kind of no point. Because the experience will change you. That is why they come to us, is to help us to grow, to learn, to transform, and to become the men and women that we've come here to be. And that there is an understanding inherent, an inherent thread through shamanic cultures that human beings need that help. And that's why the helping spirits come. And that's what helps us learn how to weave ourselves into the web of life. And so a working relationship with spirit means that you're not just sitting around waiting for the big dreams. You're not only praying, but working for a two-way communication with your helping spirits whenever you show up. And that your helping spirits are regular. It's not random. That they are particular spirit beings, for lack of a better word, that you go to. This is not just random plants and animals or, or whatever showing up, but that you're developing an ongoing relationship. It's not daydreaming, though daydreaming is valuable. It's not meditation, though meditation is valuable. It's not just sitting in a circle where someone else is leading you on a good visualization, though med guided visualizations are valuable. None of these things are journeying. And while these things might 
help you begin to become someone who journeys and cultivates a working relationship with spirit. They aren't the thing. And that a working relationship with spirit for most of us requires some work. And it's also not just sitting in a circle and ingesting plant medicines without actually cultivating a relationship with the spirit of the plant medicine you are ingesting so that you can go through journeying or embodiment to that spirit at any time without necessarily literally embodying that spirit. So that's that's what a shamanic relationship with spirit really is, a working relationship with spirit. It's not faith-driven. It's not um, belief-driven that it is actually experiential and that it is learning-driven. Okay, so moving on. So what are shamans talking about when they speak of spirit? Okay, first off, most likely they wouldn't say spirit. (laughs) Okay, because in the native tongue of most shamanic people, they would have a whole bunch of words that would describe a whole range of helping spirits with very clear distinctions between these spirits and very clear discernment as to how and when and why you would engage them. And that they are all, all the helping spirits are held in context of something much larger that is a oneness, um, a place in which it all comes together as a great web, a great wholeness. The name of this oneness gets translated into phrases um, in English because we don't have a word in English that speaks to it, but it's things like the thing that created God or the thing that knowledge can't eat. I mean, it's hard for us to even grasp this oneness, that which is before, that which everything goes back to with language, especially English. Okay, but you're stuck with me. I only speak English. And English basically leaves us with the word spirit, by which most people think I'm talking about ghosts. Heavy sigh. (laughs) Anyway, okay. So, as I've said many times before, Spirits are coherent energy patterns with presence found in the invisible world. Translation, if you are in an energetic state of a shamanic journey, you can see, hear, feel, and interact with these helping spirits. Now granted, in the beginning, some of you will see more than you can feel or hear. Some of you will feel more than you can see and hear. Some of you will hear more than you can see and feel. These are all capacities Most of us are stronger in one than the others, and they will all ultimately develop if you continue to journey and work with spirit. Um, But the point is, the, the experience of being in the altered state allows you to have a non ordinary reality experience with your helping spirits and just talk to them, work with them. That's the whole point. It's a working relationship, meaning it works. And you do work in it, and you work for it, and they work with you. So anyway, uh, from a previous show on helping spirits, I said that helping spirits will meet you wherever you are, no matter how foolish you are, no matter how wretched, no matter how lost, that your helping spirits can show up where you are, and they will. And that your job in the relationship is to ask for that help. Your job is to engage in enough self-reflection to craft some questions or to shape some intentions that will allow your helping spirits to engage with you. They cannot rescue you. 
that would violate your boundaries. It's not their job. You need to talk to them. You need to ask them questions. They respond to you through your instruction and your questions. And that ultimately, the biggest challenge with helping spirits is to accept their response and then go use it in your life. So your helping spirits care about the cultivation of your soul and your efforts to bring the beauty of your soul to bear in the world. And as I've said, on countless shows, there are different forms um, with an understanding that most helping spirits are actually shapeshifters and that they are taking these forms just for us because we do better talking to things that have a face. We like to see eyes and a mouth to talk to things, most of us. Okay, so they're animals, plants, energies of the geography. So here in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, we have great snow-capped mountains, deep ocean-going rivers, mountain ranges. These are spirits of the geography. They all, they all have spirits of the geography. Those are an example. There are elemental spirits. There are spirits of the land that are more temporal and changing. We have ancestral helping spirits. There are deities that will show up. There are mythical beasts and there are archetypes. And there are lovely shows in the archives about the distinct, the uniqueness of working with these different kinds of helping spirits. Okay, so we've gone through all this before. All right, at the core of all of these relationships is that... The relationships themselves need to function. They need to work as in working relationship with spirit, meaning they work for you. The, the, the relationship works for you, that the helping spirits themselves work with you, that the relationship actually works you, right, and that you have to work for it, that, that it, it's a thing that you really have to do. And in the doing of it, there's profound answers and in the application of those answers in your life there's profound change so it works that's what working relationship means okay so the bottom line is working relationship means effective that their advice helps you succeed at what you're trying to do and ideally it helps you to succeed in a way that teaches you to be a better person if you're actually paying attention to that part so much of what we observe in traditional indigenous shamans that seems to be so very exotic is simply a person in their native dress speaking in their native tongue. It just seems profoundly exotic and magical to us because we don't dress that way. We don't speak that language. But ultimately, what these people are doing in their own dress and in their own language often is singing to spirit and dancing spirit dances and engaging they're helping spirits. And so if you want to develop your working relationship with spirit, know this. Every helping spirit has a unique song. And that if they will teach you that song, you need to ask them. But when they teach you that song, you can use that song to connect with them. Every helping spirit has a unique dance. And if you ask and they show you that dance, and teach you that dance, if you dance that dance, you can connect with them. And for most people that want to make the transition from journeying into embodiment with helping spirits, it will be through that dance. You journey, you learn the dance in the journey, you practice the dance here in ordinary reality, and through actually literally dancing it here in ordinary reality with the intent 
of calling the spirit in, it comes in. So the important thing about this, people, is you are also a spirit. You have a song. And you have a dance. That is unique to you. That is the most powerful way that you can call yourself in to your own body. And that you can dance that dance to more fully embody the reason that you are here and all of the energy that you've brought with you to make that real in the world. And your helping spirits will sing your song with you and dance your dance with you to help that grow ever stronger within you. And this truth about spirit and songs and dance and sharing them together with the intent to be in relationship is at the heart of our relationship with our helping spirits. Helping spirits have many ways that they can be honored, that they want to be honored. Um, Then you get into a great variety of things um, that you may want to create or they may want you to create some kind of power object, um, something that might be worn. Perhaps it's a mask. Perhaps it's a staff. There are many, many, many things. And this is where we get all the interesting power objects that are associated with different shamanic traditions is that the helping spirits need you to build things so that they're better able to move their energy into the world to help. And so ask. Make them to the best of your ability. Use them. And trust trust what it is that you get. I mean, there's a, there's a lovely series of shows on art and shamanism. And I encourage you to listen to them and let it inspire you to create things that honor your helping spirit. Not just because you want to draw a picture of your helping spirit, but go to the helping spirit to ask what it is they want you to create that would honor them. So representational drawings, that's not a bad thing for you to do, and especially if you do it with the right intent, but it might not actually be how the helping spirit recognizes itself being honored. And I've I've seen this play out. I've told this story many times. I won't give a long version of it. But I've seen it in my very first mask of illusion in the authentic self. Where one of the many masks that we make in that week is a mask of your primary helping spirit. And the important thing is that people are to go on a journey to ask the helping spirit how it wants to be represented in a mask. What would honor it? in a mask. And people are given things, sometimes they're given things they can't do, and so they ask, you know, how can I do this here and now, and they get a simpler version. But more important, more the point that I was trying to make, is people often get an image for their mask that doesn't look like their helping spirit, and then they kind of panic because it's not representational in that sense directly. And yet when they've really been courageous about just making what they're shown, they often recreate traditional masks without actually realizing they've done that. And I have watched people that have no familiarity with the masks of the native peoples up up this Pacific Northwest coast of North America, up into Canada, no familiarity with that region, which is a big bald eagle region. And yet they make a mask that looks exactly like a traditional mask from these traditional people. Whole with his shell in the eye and all. 
And I've told these stories before. But my point is, yes, it's beautiful to, for you to make things for your helping spirit, but it's more powerful to ask them what they need you to make. How would they be honored in this thing? What is it that they need so that their energy can move through you better into the world? All right. So, making offerings uh, is one thing, but also the helping spirits sometimes ask for offerings that are simpler, that offerings that they would like. Um, sometimes there's a protocol to it. Sometimes there's a practice to it. And um, the most important thing is to figure out um, first, before you just start offering things with a helping spirit, is are you in debt to that helping spirit in some way? And it may not be actions you've taken in this lifetime. And so there may be a bit of a negotiation with the helping spirit to find out if you are in debt, to say, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. How do I get out of debt? What actions are necessary for me to come into right relationship with you? And to take those actions. And that I have been asked to do this on numerous occasions. They're not hideous things to do. They're not life-threatening. And frankly, I learn things about myself doing it. So it's good for everybody. It brings me into right relationship with the helping spirit. And then I can begin asking for the protocol or the practice that this helping spirit would like at the stage that I'm in with them. And then as the years go by and you make these offerings periodically, you need to ask. You know, is it time to take the next step in deepening the relationship with your helping spirit? You know, asking the helping spirit to deepen our relationship. What is the next step I need to make um, for you? And find out, is it different offerings? You know, what is it, a different practice? Who knows what it is? But whatever it is, it will continue to challenge you to open your heart, to trust more fully, to take more risks, in particularly risks of the heart, and to let your relationship with your helping spirits become ever more intimate. So, the other thing that goes hand in hand with asking if you need to reconcile the relationship is to begin all of that by asking for permission. That just because the helping spirits show up doesn't mean it's not polite to ask for permission to work with them, to ask for permission if you're going to build a shrine or an altar somewhere, especially if it's outside, to ask for permission from the place, to begin to understand that you're not entitled to any of it, and you need to ask for permission for all of it. And frankly, most often, permission is granted. In 30 years, I think I've been said no to a couple times, and for good reason that mostly had nothing to do with me, had more to do with not realizing, for example, we got turned away from a retreat center by the spirits of the land there because they were um, a bird sanctuary, ultimately. It's not what they advertised, but it's what they had become because they were the sort of the most coherent wetlands in the area. And that even the people that ran the place weren't really as aware of, of how fragile that, that life cycle was and how important it was that rambunctious transformational shamanic activities didn't happen there. And that's, I can work with that. You know, it's a perfectly fine reason to not be granted permission to work somewhere. Okay, so the other thing about making offerings is that sometimes you need to be sure that you're creating 
a container in some way that allows the offering to go. It's kind of like the difference between shouting at your friend that lives eight blocks away and hoping they happen to be outside and hear you or actually calling them on the phone. So the technology of the phone creates this conduit to connect to them so that you know that they get the message. Okay. So with the helping spirit, similarly, we need to create the, the, the place for the delivery of the messages. And there are many, many ways that this happens, and some are random. Some can be random and on the move, and others can be permanent, or at least permanent for now. Um, so, for example, random and on the move, you can create a space to leave offerings that can be received potentially by singing. You can do it by creating a small ash, ash circle on the ground um, and leaving the offerings inside the ash circle. Um, so there are things that you can do similar to those that create the space before you do it. Another way we do it, though, to make our lives simpler on one hand, um, but also if we're going to be doing this regularly, we don't want to have to create space every time. And so we invest some energy in creating a shrine, a place, maybe an indoor shrine, maybe it's an outdoor shrine. There are shows about shrines. Maybe it's a permanent shrine. Maybe it's an impermanent shrine, as I was just describing. And so um, another thing about this whole regular place is that your body can always potentially be that shrine or that altar, that I have created practices that require, not created, I have worked with spirit to create practices that require no stuff, no items, no power objects. One of them was to walk, and in the walk, notice four things. Ask each thing permission. If they were little things to come with me, or if they were just a, something that couldn't come with me, just to remember it. And then go to a place where I would draw a circle and orient myself in the four directions in the circle. And then, as I called in each of the four directions, leave each of the four things I had found, now understanding what their message was from the four, each of the directions and why those things had called my attention. So there was this little piece of receiving these messages and learning in that day and then do up and down and center and then bow out and step out of my circle and break the circle in the ground with my foot. And that the whole practice and the connection was one of the ways that I worked to create a working relationship with the four directions. Okay, so you, you can create essentially body alters with your own body. And so the important thing is just to keep in mind when you're leaving offerings that you want to create the container for giving that offering in some simple way. So I think of offerings in kind of an elemental way. They're water offerings and air offerings. I don't mean like offerings to water. I mean there are offerings that are good to give to water, offerings that are particularly good to give to air, earth fire. We've talked about that on other shows. What I mean today more simply is that there are liquid offerings, libations we usually call them, but elementally they're, it's water, right? So there's pure water. Examples of libations are pure water, alcohol spirits, you know, distilled spirits of some kind, essential oils, um, flower essences, particularly the old-fashioned way. Flower essences have gotten pretty technological, and they still work, but you can also just have flowers you know, in the water as, as the essence of the flowers. 
And I find myself, especially with my ancestors, you know, sometimes they just want a nice hit of espresso, you know. So, um, and sometimes helping spirits want what was fermented or brewed in their time. And that can sometimes be a challenge. Some ancestor, uh, particularly ancestral helping spirits, want what they expect, want what was traditional in their time, what they gave to their ancestors. They expect that, particularly around libations. Um, and most important thing that your intention or your meaning uh, needs to be associated with these offerings. In other words, you're not just leaving mead because you think you're supposed to leave mead but you leave mead because you have some meaning behind that, like this fermentation of the sweetness of the honey is to cultivate the sweetness in my relationship with spirit. So so the important thing is that you're not, it's not a shopping list that you've been told by somebody else to use, but you're using what you're choosing to use, one, because the spirits have told you, and two, because you're creating your own relationship with the offerings and when and why you give them. Okay, so air uh, offerings are words, prayers, blessings, songs, vows. Sometimes some helping spirits want to hear you speak a vow to them. Um, so, for example... I've shared the true love prayer on this show several times. Every time I share it publicly, people always ask for it. And it's like, I'm sorry, you can't have it because this is a prayer that was given uh, to the last mass community to use within the community to cultivate certain things and was given to us by spirit, right? So it has certain usage. It's not just available for general usage. It's not in the public domain. Um, there are songs of the moment. There's always a song in the moment, and there are also often songs of the place. So as you're wandering through different places, you might find different songs of places. And to sing the song of the moment, to sing the song of the place is a great offering. You know, back to what I said earlier in the show, that everything has a song. Everything has a dance. And to sing something song is a profound offering. And so there are earth-like offerings, and these are things that have physical form, uh, you know, good, hard, fast physical form. Stones, crystals, though I, I cringe now with the amount of crystals being yanked out of the earth and wonder what that's really doing. Nonetheless, crystals are offered, shells, food, chocolate. There are cultural things like bee pollen or corn pollen. Sorry, bee, not bee pollen. Anyway, corn pollen or um, rice wine. These are things of the earth, things in physical form. Um, again, I would use these things as directed by spirit. So I wouldn't go out of my way to get um, corn pollen just because I think because it was used traditionally in the Southwest, it's going to make my offerings better. If you're not asked to offer corn pollen, then it's not going to help. Right? It's not about bigger and better. It's not about more authentic for other people. It's about what is authentic for you. What can it, with the understanding that you're supposed to be educating yourself. So it's not just like, well, the only thing that's authentic for me right now is, you know, video games and a smartphone and, um, you know, ayahuasca that comes to New York every other Friday night. So, you know, it, it, you have to educate yourself. But with that said, it needs to be authentic for you. So you need to find a way to be able to be authentic in 
offering your offerings. Okay. There's fire offerings, candles, real typical thing. Offering is simply light the candle, begin the conversation, blow out the candle maybe when you're done. I mean, mine burn all day, but that's okay. i am got long conversations. Oil lamps can work. Uh, there's lots of contemporary options of technology that can make some pretty cool offerings to shrines. Some helping spirits really like to have little LED lights on all day. It makes them feel sparkly and special. Um, and things that sparkle and shine, glitter, sequins, pretty stuff, you know, it's fiery things. And then things that you create. For example, your ancestors want some crazy recipe for some soda bread or something. So to learn to make something that was traditional um, or to simply make things with your hand, clay, pictures. There was a period of time a student was really working on a relationship with the elements. And what she had done was a process by which she painted the four elements, each on small, like hmm, probably three by three squares, maybe four by four, but small enough to carry with her. And these became her power objects for um, calling in the elements at her shrine. So you can make things and use them. So don't be afraid to ask them for protocol. You can always ask for something uh, later that you can actually do if the protocol is too complicated. Um, and for things that you're asked to do daily to strengthen your working relationship with the helping spirit, I would suggest that you understand what I would consider the full practice. In other, in other words, what you've really been asked to do that, and that you can do when you have a luxury of, of um, time and space. Right, and maybe a moderate practice or a daily version that actually fits in to your day a little bit better, but is still profoundly functional in what it's meant to do in your relationship with spirit. And I also consider that pe- I think it's really valuable to create a no time version. So, in other words, on the days that you have no time, you don't skip the whole thing, but you have this little shorthand version that you can do that at least acknowledges it and gives that momentary offering with the understanding that you will return to the larger practices when you can. So ultimately, you can explore with your helping spirits these basic questions. What do you want? Where do you want it? When do you want it? How do you want it? Always asking that in the context of um, what, where, when, how would best serve the development of your working relationship. Um, So you're looking for you know, what type of offerings does the helping spirit like? Is there a particular timing or helping spirits working with the cadence of the full moon and the new moon, right? Uh, where do they want you to leave the offerings? Um, is it at your altar inside? Do you, does that helping spirit need their own shrine? I mean, that was a big step in my life when I realized some of my helping spirits wanted their own shrine and want to just be on the altar with everybody else. Does it need to be outside, something you can do on your way to work? Or is it outside in a very special place, that there's something unique about that place that allows that offering to be received more fully? Um, And then you, for example, you realize, oh, in the journey you find out this has to happen at work. Uh, Okay, I can't do this at work. Can you show me a way that I can make a, a true offering to you at work that won't get me fired or set off the fire alarms? Right? I mean, you can ask these questions. That's the whole point of a working relationship. It is that practical. Okay. 
so there are the classics for a reason. Is that tradition? No, not really. The classics are classics because they work inherently. A song, it's a classic offering. Tobacco, classic offering because of the plant itself. Distilled spirits, a small flame from a candle, an oil lamp. Those are the basics. Um, anything that is too complex um, or maybe too old, so it's hard to come by, I mean, as in ancient, or simply too expensive for you. There is always a lesser version that you can do. But you must ask. Don't just figure it out yourself. Ask. You'd be surprised. And you can always do the real version with all the drama in journey time, on a regular basis even. You know, you don't need many helping spirits. I mean, in general, you all have a family helping spirit. There's a lot of contemporary reasons why you may not be aware of that helping spirit. And the main two reasons are the helping spirit is primarily protective, and it's most likely completely involved in protecting you from the unresolved ancestral things coming down through your family line. So it is being protective. It is available there, and it is working to protect you day and night, but it's just there's so much it has to protect you from just already happening at the moment of your birth that you may have never seen this helping spirit. And so that's challenging. And some, some much of this functions kind of maybe like a curse, and some of it's actual curses. And so often we don't know our family helping spirits for that reason, but we have them. But what's important for everybody as they become a young adult you know, in your late teens, is to really reach out and understand who's your helping spirit. Apart from your family, what you've inherited from your family or your mother or father's helping spirit, what's your helping spirit? And, you know, what helping spirit is here for your purpose? Now, for most people, even shamanic practitioners, that's really all you need other than the helping spirits that come in the cosmology that you practice within. Now, some of you might have a specialty helping spirit that's specializing to help you do a particular thing. Maybe if you're a new parent, you want to have a helping spirit that can help you to be a better mother or father. I mean, there's specialties, but but as a practitioner, a serious practitioner who wants to cultivate a strong working relationship with spirit, more is not better. We don't have time. We don't have the energy to divide ourselves in that way. Now, if you've actually been called to be a shamanic healer, there will be an initiatory helping spirit as well. And with that may come helping spirits that also specialize in the different kinds of healing that you're called to do. So, but the important thing, again, more, more is not better. Just as more offerings is not better, it's about the quality of the offering. More helping spirits is not necessarily better. It's about the quality of the relationship with the helping spirit. So most important is that whatever you do, you do it sincerely with an open heart and eventually cultivate within yourself the capacity for true intimacy with your helping spirits. The little story I told about going for the walk and picking up the four things and working with the medicine wheel, making the relationship with the four directions you know, was the very beginning of being able to figure out what has become an entire cosmology for me. But it began in that really innocent way of starting at what energy is available for me as a human. I don't have any tradition. My culture hasn't given me anything. Where do I begin? 
begin at the beginning. And that was extremely sincere, absolutely authentic questioning, and completely open to the spirits of the four directions as helping spirits to teach me how to be in relationship with the sacred directions and why I would do that. And all the helping spirits are just waiting around for you to do the same thing. And so it's not about quantity. It's not the numbers of things offered or the expense of what has been offered or how often a gesture is performed. It's in the heart and the soul and the sincerity that you bring to each gesture, even the most humble. And what matters is the openness and strength of your heart as you engage your helping spirits through the things that you're doing to cultivate that relationship, but also the openness and strength of heart that you bring into the journey, into the merging, into the trance states that you're using to connect with your helping spirits. And it always surprises me when clients say, well, how do I connect with my helping spirits? You learned a journey. I mean, that's what they taught us so that we could connect with them. And it's an answer that hasn't changed for all of time of humans on the planet. So it's a good answer. Don't reinvent that wheel. Just learn to use the wheel. Now, there are many things that can branch off from that based on your uniqueness, what you're doing with your helping spirits, but it's a core fundamental teaching that allows you to ask, even if all it does is allow you to ask these questions, which is how do I come into better working relationship with you? So it's important that you learn from working with them. But it's not just about questions and answers, but you're reflecting on your answers and you're learning from that. And yes, you do need to be sure who you're working with. In the old days, it it wasn't such a big deal. But but these days, um, there are two issues that people reach out to helping spirits from that can allow you to connect with helping spirits that aren't so helpful. And one is arrogance, reaching out in ignorance and arrogance and wanting power. I get people in trouble all the time. And then the other is people reaching out in a kind of desperation that's born not of true despair, but of simply not learning how to be in good energetic health, good energy body hygiene in your life. And so you just you're not you don't have good boundaries, you don't have good grounding, you don't have good protection. And so as you reach out and make yourself open to connect with spirit, other energies can come in. And so the important thing is you just clean up your act. Don't be so arrogant and don't be so pathetic. You know, clean up your act. Stand up here like a human being who's got a soul's purpose and reach out for the spirit help that's here to help you do what you've come here to do. And if you can't do that, then fix that. Follow that path of healing. So authenticity then, it comes out of you, how you show up for your relationship with spirit. So my authenticity of my practice comes from my relationship with spirit. It doesn't come from the human teachers that I trained with. Most of the work that I do comes straight from the helping spirits, not the teachers that I trained with. I honor those humans, and I feel deeply blessed for what they've given in my life. But they're not the authenticity. They don't validate. They're not my stamp of approval. The authenticity comes from the direct relationship with spirit. So the important thing for you to understand is your authenticity doesn't come from working with me. 
It comes from working with your helping spirits and learning from them how to be the person that you came here to be. So I want to give enormous gratitude to my helping spirits for showing up and helping me, especially because I was such a knucklehead and can some days still be. So I give gratitude to those helping spirits, gratitude to the ancestors who gather around us, gratitude to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. I want to let everybody know that Masks of Illusion and the Authentic Self has had some cancellations, and so there are four spots available in this year's group. That begins June 4th through 9th um, in Arizona. And you can register through the homepage at lastmasscenter.org. All the classes for 2017 are up on the calendar. You can register through the calendar for most of the classes. And we've just added an actual energy clearing class, a new one, April 28th through 30th um, in Tukwila, Washington. Um, it's not on the website yet, but you can register. Um, it, it, registration is open, and that's kind of getting up on the website probably today. So there are lots of opportunities to learn and grow your relationship with spirit. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week.